live from inside your speakers, this is Hardcore Casual, your place for weekly gaming and entertainment news. Please welcome your host, Whack Ops. Greetings from Earth. This is not your leader. My name is Whack Ops. How you doing? Welcome to Hardcore Casual, episode 19. Man, 19 episodes. Welcome. Welcome. It's November. Wallets be damned. We got all the games coming out quick notes couple delays we got overwatch 2 delayed diablo 4 delayed advanced wars 1 and 2 delayed and marvel's midnight suns but i wanted to just rip that band-aid right off but this month we got pokemon we got forza we got gta call of duty and battlefield no matter what you like no matter what you're into i'm sure there's a release for you this month i'm excited as a matter of fact i'm right now downloading Forza Horizon 5, and yes, I did get the special edition. I haven't done it in years. Give me a little credit. I haven't done it in at least five years. Bought a game early for early access or any kind of special things like that, but I'm excited. 9 p.m. tonight, I'm going to be able to play, and those of you who got the early access copy, I'm excited for you too. I think Call of Duty also has an early access window, so good news for that. And Battlefield has announced that they're going to be doing a trial period of 10 hours for EA Play members as well as Xbox Game Pass members. So that's really cool. couple of show notes before we get into it. I did want to let you guys know that this week is going to be a little tight. No sports segment, um, no platform wars this week. Um, I have a lot of other things cooking in the back. So um, over the next couple of weeks, if you notice the audio quality has changed, uh, it is because we're going to be using a new software here in uh, in the in the studio, so I'm excited for that. I'm going to be learning quite a bit. Honestly, next week we might take a week off uh, just so that I can get my bearings and make some transitions because we have some big announcements coming very soon. So those of you who have been sticking with the show for a while, got some good news for you. And those of you that are new here at Hardcore Casual, we also have some great news for you as well. So, before we get into headlines, let's go ahead and let you know how you can support the show. You can write into the show with questions, hate mail, whatever you feel. We're, we're, we're taking all of them at our Gmail account. That's whackops at Gmail, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at Gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at whackops. Again, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Please subscribe, share, download, review, all that good stuff. Let's go ahead and jump into the headliners where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment. And we got to start with that Elden Ring gameplay that we got today. My goodness. That looked good. I was excited when I saw that because I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not a Dark Souls fan. I'm an admitted casual gamer, a baby gamer, if you will. You know what I mean? I like my games to be fun and easy. I I do enjoy a challenge, but I also work a day job and got family and all kinds of other stuff going on. So understandably, I don't have a lot of time for a game to brutalize me. Like I've heard that the Dark Souls franchise can, whether you're talking about, you know, Sekiro, Dark Souls, or Bloodborne, I've heard they're all very, very challenging. So Elden Ring kind of fell off my radar. But after today, After today, this game looks good enough for me to want to go back and play either a Dark Souls 3 or a Bloodborne because I feel like those are probably the best entry points because this game looked so good. The open world, 
specifically the open world events, looked incredible and engaging. Um, for those of you that have seen the the 16 minutes of gameplay that they released this week, very cool to see that. Also, they revealed that the map is huge, and it's going to have a Breath of the Wild style map in the sense that you kind of collect bits and pieces of the map, and it will be revealed to you over time. But also the map marker system and the way that they use map markers that you can see in the open world. They also went over traversal options, specifically mounts and verticality, which is really cool because seeing that in a cinematic versus seeing that in action definitely helps uh, a lot of the players. It's a lot more tactile. You can understand and see yourself with the controller like, oh, okay, that's how that would work. Uh, They also went through multiple different environments and weather systems. That was really cool. To top it off, they went through multiplayer elements, dungeons, NPCs, crafting menus, stealth mechanics, and of course, boss fights that look absolutely brutal. Brutal. I don't, uh, I'm excited because this, at first when they showed it, it didn't look next gen. You know what I mean? It looked kind of, you know, I can understand how this is a cross gen game, but when they showed it, I believe what they showed today was a PC build. Um, that was, that looked incredible. It looked crispy. Like, I'm not mad at it. I didn't need it to look photorealistic. I needed it to look true to um, its art style. And I think it definitely is. But who knows? Maybe I'll end up picking up Elden Ring when it drops in February of 2022. Next, let's go ahead and talk about Netflix. Netflix Gaming has officially made its debut. This is according to IGN. Quote, Netflix Games will start rolling out onto the Netflix mobile app starting November 3rd. Users can also download Netflix games from the Google Play Store starting today. Among the games included in the service is Stranger Things 3, the game. Unfortunately, you will not be able to use a wireless controller or a mobile controller like the Razer Kishi, as the games on the Netflix games app use touch controls only when playing in the Netflix official app. More or less what they're saying is it's available now. You cannot use a controller as of yet. It's touch controls, but definitely check it out if you're interested in the Netflix game app. I don't believe it's on iOS as of yet, so it's going to be for Android devices, but I'm curious to see how this is received, and I'm wondering when the micro microtransactions are going to start. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm curious to see when they're going to choose to to implement that because... I feel like a lot of companies who tried to slide into the space late definitely don't understand all the nuances and, and pain points within the community. So I'm, I don't know. Maybe they have some real gamers over there who understand how not to piss off uh, gamers, but I think mobile is definitely a space that they can kind of sneak into without causing too much of a stir. So lastly, on our headlines news is one that I actually fell off of from last week. I totally missed uh, I don't know how I missed this. This is according to The Verge. San Andreas is coming to Oculus Quest 2. Quote, During Facebook Connect 2021, Mark Zuckerberg announced that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is in development for the Oculus Quest 2 virtual reality headset. No other details, like price, release date, or even a brief snippet of the game running, were shown during the event. They went on to say, This has been many years in the making. So, Apparently, this has been happening for a while. I don't know if somebody over at Facebook got wind of the remakes or how they were able to line these up for the release, but I'm 
I'm excited to hear what this looks like, given the other news that we got coming out of Facebook, coming out of this Facebook Connect specifically. Meta, Facebook, whatever, is talking about removing the Facebook requirement. Now, this is Mark Zuckerberg himself speaking. Quote, as we focused more on work and frankly, as we've heard your feedback more broadly, we're working on making it so you can log into Quest with an account other than your personal Facebook account. I'm hoping that doesn't sound as um, specific as I hear it. Because, you know, given it's Mark Zuckerberg, he's a little, you know, robotic. I I don't know how to hear that other than they're going to make you make a different kind of account that's not Facebook to log into Quest. So either way, they want your email and they're going to make you have a password if you're going to have something attached to your credit card. Um, Either way, I think it's very, very funny that of all the things to come to Quest from the mainstream, I mean, after, you know, after Half-Life. I think San Andreas was one of the last games I would ever guess would come to a VR headset. Uh, And it's going to be first person. So first person San Andreas, it's just, the future is so weird. You know what I mean? Like, if you grew up with these games, I think hearing this was just like very uh, surreal. You know what I mean? Like, man, this would be something that I dreamed would be the future when I was a kid, but I didn't imagine it would I would hate it so much. I would I would be nervous about it so much. Like, fingers crossed, this is what it sounds like, and it's not just another trick by Facebook. But, I mean, you got to believe people when they show you who they are. So, anyway, moving on, let's go ahead and actually jump into the Word on the Street segment. And this is where we talk rumors, gossip, and controversy. Uh, honestly, I know I be beating y'all up in this segment, but we got some good news. Uh, a couple of stories in here that actually look like they're positive for the greater gaming industry and all kinds of different specific gaming communities. So let's go ahead and start with a leak from Snoop Dogg. So Snoop Dogg was on Rolling Stone's Music Now podcast, and apparently they got to talking about Dre and what new music he's got going on. And this is what Snoop had to say. Quote, I do know he's making great fucking music. And some of his music is connected to the GTA game that's coming out. So I think that that will be the way that his music will be released through the GTA video game. Now, there has been no comment from Dr. Dre's reps or Rockstar or none of that. So, you know, the gaming industry is running rampant because any whiff of GTA 6 is going to draw up a lot of speculation. So First came the GTA 6 rumors after after this hit the, the news waves, but then a lot of people were reminded like, hey guys, don't forget that they update GTA online radio, and of course the GTA trilogy is coming out, and there's no guarantee we have not heard yet about how licensing music is going to work for that specifically, for those games specifically, especially, especially Vice City and San Andreas, because I think those soundtracks had a lot more impact on the overall game than I think people might want to admit or realize. Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Marvel's Avengers. I know. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I have one more update on Marvel's Avengers for you. Some good news. They have removed the XP boosts being sold in the store. 
Uh, if you remember, they made a promise when they announced their game back in E3 2019 that there would be no pay-to-win uh, mechanics or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially no pay-to-win mechanics. It's only going to be cosmetics. It's only for you to look different. It's not going to affect your gameplay. And of course, XP boosters allow you to gain more XP faster than the person next to you. Granted, Marvel's Avengers has no PvP mode, so there isn't necessarily a pay to win, but if I can level faster than you and outrank you, that is a pay to win mechanic in many gamers' eyes, including myself. Um, they went on to Twitter to say, quote, we hope that this can be the first step in rebuilding your confidence in us as a team. I will be honest with you. I did not think they would ever go back on any monetization strategy. I'm proud that they were able to wind that back. They shouldn't have done it in the first place. But how many times are, are we going to get our heart broke before we realize that this is just some of the companies that do this? You know what I mean? Like, it's more likely than not that a company will say one thing and do another when it comes to making more money. I think also one point that was brought up, the cynical way of looking at it is that, you know, they weren't selling to begin with. They weren't making enough money for the bad press. So they were like, screw it, we'll drop it. it. That's not the only story coming out of Marvel's Avengers this week. Square Enix also went on to blame Crystal Dynamics for failing at the games as a service model in their 2021 annual fiscal report. Uh, this is actually President Yosuke Masuda. Quote, nonetheless, taking on the games as a service model highlighted issues that we are likely to face in future game development efforts, such as the need to select game designs that match with the unique attributes and tastes of our studios and development teams. While the new challenge that we tackled with this title produced a disappointing outcome, we are certain that the games as a service approach will grow in importance as gaming becomes more service-oriented. Basically, they just threw Crystal Dynamics under the bus. When they said, we need to select game designs that mesh with unique attributes and taste of our studios and development teams, they're basically saying Crystal Dynamics couldn't hack it when it comes to games as a service, which from a publisher standpoint is probably like the big leagues. Like, that's AAA. You know what I mean? You're you have a game that just prints money. And if you can't hack it there, well, you're just you're just not meant for the, the, the big time. And so they're off helping other teams with games that are getting released uh, and apparently delayed, such as Diablo. But I thought that was kind of shady of, share, of Square Enix to do that to Crystal Dynamics, considering Crystal Dynamics actually makes some pretty decent games. Um, and... They're not to be blamed for what looks like to many people, many in the fan base, it looks as if this was a single player game that halfway through got changed into a games as a service model. It's not as if this game started from the ground up being planned as a games as a service model, at least not to those who have played the game and kind of understand a lot of the mechanics. It looks like both games were half baked or one game was done and the other one was kind of just thrown in the middle there. So I can't really blame the developer for publisher decisions. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to put that entirely on Crystal Dynamics. Maybe I can put some of it on their leadership, but what are you going to say no? You know what I mean? How are you going to say no to your publisher when they're how your games get out? They decide so much of how your games get marketed and pushed, and they're who you negotiate against. So it's it's tough. 
It's tough. Uh, but I told you I had some more good news. Also, Square Enix decided to announce in their weekly Marvel's Avengers blog post um, that Spider-Man is coming to PlayStation consoles on November 30th. We finally got a release date for Spider-Man. I genuinely did not believe that Spider-Man was going to be in Marvel's Avengers this year. I am but hurt that it's only on PlayStation consoles because I think that is... Uh, I wish this this practice in gaming would go away where only one console, like you break off a piece of your game, like just make the whole game an exclusive. Don't make one character in the game an exclusive. That, that seems petty, but I understand Sony makes a lot of money from third parties, so I can't, I can't really knock them there. I, I get it. Um, but good news either way, if you're playing Marvel's Avengers, if you've been able to stick it out and you're playing on a Sony platform, it looks like you're going to be able to play as Spider-Man very, very soon. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes. We got one real good story. We've been talking about this for, what, 12, 13 weeks now. Activision Blizzard. Bobby Kotick has addressed the workplace culture in a statement that was released or picked up by Business Wire this week. And he went through and made five points that uh, the company is going to make, five changes that the company is going to make, including statement as it relates to his pay specifically. Uh, I'm going to read to you the bullet points that they brought up. If you want to read the full statement, please check it out on Business Wire. Yeah, 100% read the whole thing if you want, but a lot of it was very fluffy, flowery, corporate language like, oh, we understand, we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. So here's the five things that they supposedly are planning on changing. And brace yourself. This is big. Quote, we are launching a zero tolerance harassment policy company wide. We will increase the percentage of women and non-binary people in our workforce by 50% and will invest $250 million to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent. Based on feedback from our employees, we are waiving the required arbitration of sexual harassment and discrimination claims. We will continue to increase visibility on pay equity. We will provide regular progress updates. Okay, of those things, in my opinion, um, forced arbitration being struck is huge because that forces, it is what it sounds like, it it basically makes it makes it so if you have a claim against your company, you're not allowed to sue. You're not allowed to press charges. Basically, it is the company's protection against claims like sexual harassment. So they're opening themselves up to further scrutiny and potential um, accountability, quite frankly, if someone actually follows through with it. Um, also, visibility on pay equity, that's huge. They're going to be doing weekly or yearly, not weekly, Yearly updates on pay equity. Um, I think every big business should be doing that. If you are traded on the Fortune 500, you should be putting out those numbers, uh, in my opinion. And increasing the workforce by 50% of women and non-binary people. Now, they said over five years in the fine print, but the fact that they're going to invest $250 million to accelerate those opportunities for diverse talent. I'm I'm worried about the language on that point, but... I think overall, this is a big win for a lot of folks. And, and we're, we're going to read some statements from the ABK in, in a moment. But um, Bobby Kotick went on to say in his statement, quote, 
I have asked the board to reduce my pay to the lowest amount California law will allow for people earning a salary, which this year is $62,500. To be clear, this is a reduction in my overall compensation, not just my salary. I am asking not to receive any bonuses or be granted any equity during this time. Now, he said this basically saying, like, until we get right, I'm not taking any more money than the bare minimum here. You know what I mean? Like, clearly, I haven't done my job. I need to be held accountable. I'm going to be held accountable with money. So, okay, fine. It doesn't make a difference because he made, like, however many, like, more than $100 million last year. Let's just say that. He made more than $100 million last year. It does not matter that he's losing a paycheck because you're already, you, you already won. You know what I mean? You made money off the backs of people who are being abused. Like, that's facts. So, whatever. But that's kind of cool because CEOs don't really do that. You don't see that a lot. And it's clear that he is, at the very least, trying to win the PR game. And if that's the only motivation he has for doing something right, or implementing procedures that will protect his employees, fine. I, at this point, I don't really care what his motivations are. I just want him to be held accountable and hold those who are um, taking advantage of others accountable. Otherwise, don't be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But either way, uh, gamesindustry.biz went ahead and reported out the ABK's response to uh, Bobby Kotick's letter. Quote, while today was a huge win for us, we remain vigilant and continue to push for other industry practices that need to change. We still stand firm by our demand that the investigation must be done by an unbiased third party, of which Wilmer Hale is not one, the group wrote in a Twitter statement. So, incredibly good to hear for the ABK Workers Alliance. I'm really happy that Honestly, something came out of this. You know what I mean? Even if it is something seemingly small, like some rule changes at one company or things of that nature, that's big. Because what it does is it allows, and we're, we're going to talk about it a little later in the show, it allows other groups to use this as a precedent and press their companies about treating each other right. And that's how you see industry-wide changes. Because there has to start with, company-wide changes. Let's hope that we can continue to make an example of Activision Blizzard and uh, and Ubisoft, too. I'm going to keep bringing them up, and Riot Games. I'm going to keep bringing them up because just because I report mostly on Activision Blizzard, that's honestly because that's what's most in the news. That's what's hot right now, but I, I have a feeling that Ubisoft's day is coming. You know what I mean? But we'll get into that a little later. I just wanted to share with y'all some good news because you guys have toughed it out with me with this story for a long time and we actually saw something happen. So thank you for listening. And those of you that cared enough to share these stories out and really press the issue, thank you as well. Um, it is difficult to know sometimes how to support people in difficult positions, but I think I'm proud of how the gaming industry in some ways have stepped up for the people who are victims of, of this company. I think that's really cool that most of the places I went for game news on Call of Duty and on you know Ubisoft titles as of late, they brought up these abuses anytime, anytime. So I, 
I think it's really a shining example of what we can do when we hold people accountable. But with that, let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, and that is The Real, where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. We're going to go ahead and start by letting you know that South Park is coming out with a brand new special. Now, this is called South Park Post-COVID. Apparently, it is about the boys trying to get back to a normal life, as much of us are. That's coming to uh, Paramount Plus on November 15th, so just a little over a week from now. This is done by The Hollywood Reporter. Another made-for-TV movie is coming in December. Now, these are the first of 14, so apparently there's going to be 14 what they're calling movies. They're not feature-length films. It's not going to be a classic South Park special like Imagination Land or something like that. Just earlier this year, Trey Parker and Matt Stone inked a $900 million deal with Viacom CBS. Yes, that is Paramount Plus uh, for two feature-length films. The show has been renewed through season 30 and, of course, the 14 uh, made-for-TV movies that they have already mentioned. Um really crazy number i'm still impressed that they almost got a billion dollars for south park um i'm scared for the show though i am scared for the show because i did not enjoy the last like four seasons maybe it's just my age maybe i've grown out of the show but i i definitely think that uh covid has made it difficult on a lot of products or, or a lot of shows that rely on social commentary but let's go ahead and move on into the MCU as we usually do. Let's talk about the Eternals and Rotten Tomatoes. So apparently the Eternals is currently sitting at 51% as of today. I just checked uh, earlier today. Being the worst MCU movie rated on Rotten Tomatoes, it's been described as ambiguous, sad, a mess. You know what I mean? But (laughs) I think it's really funny because I've been excited about this film. And I went to like a couple of YouTube uh, reviews and they, they weren't quite as harsh on it. But of course, the movie is not going to be out till tomorrow at the time of this recording. So I'm waiting to actually see fan response, like MCU fan response, movie fan response, just superhero fan response, whatever. Because traditionally, from what I understand, nobody really cared about the Eternals anyway. Comic book readers don't really care about the Eternals anyway. So they're trying to do something for once with an IP that people don't really care about. You could argue that no one really cared about Iron Man before the Iron Man movie. And yeah, maybe. But I think the Eternals especially have, if you look into their history, they've changed hands and changed writers so much and in such crucial ways. And their lore has been changed so many different ways. That, yeah, they're a little hard to follow. They had more or less a blank canvas to work with, though, and I would hope that they would do something different. That is one thing I have heard, is that it's different, though it falls into the same traps. I don't know what that means, because a lot of the reviews have to be ambiguous to avoid spoilers, so we'll definitely be checking that out. I think I might have to go go check out the movie and just see what, what everybody's beef is, because I have a hard time believing that it's worse than Thor The Dark World. Thor to the Dark World was rated 66% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's hard for me to even take Rotten Tomatoes seriously. Because Thor the Dark World was awful. Awful. And the fact that it's still worse than Iron Man 3 
is crazy to me too. So it, somehow, if the Eternals is worse than Thor: The Dark World and Iron Man Three, fine, it's earned that rating. But if not, then I can't really trust Rotten Tomatoes' opinion on MCU movies because uh, I feel like that is a very taking the opinions of film critics on superhero movies is, is a little tricky. I'd rather hear from the comic book fans and the people who are new to the franchise, the people who know everything about the character and people who know nothing about the character. But people who know everything about film, I feel like they don't really respect the superhero genre as a genre of film, so they're not going to respect the movie anyway. Maybe that's just me. But let's talk about the last little bit before we get into the trigger warning topic of the week. That's right. We're burning right through it this week. Let's talk about this Morbius trailer drop. Now, I saw it. I thought it was dope. I thought the trailer looked dope. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's very like uh, Morbius is a vampire. You know what I mean? They call him the living vampire. And, you know, fan reception has been kind of lackluster, which I get ish. But we've had more obscure characters in the MCU before that have plenty of fanfare. Just look at Guardians of the Galaxy, any of them. Um, and they they have one of the best games in gaming right now. If you listen to all the reviews, people love that game so far. So, But either way, I digress. I really liked seeing darker, anti-hero-like stories in the Marvel uh, in the MCU. I, I want to see those on the big screen from Marvel because DC is like all dark and scary and like that's starting to get played on their side. I want a little more hopefulness on their side. Not cheese, but you know, something inspiring, something truly dramatic instead of just dark. And then on the Marvel side, like bro, it's just all cheese. Y'all hamming it up all the time. So I would love something a little more not grounded in reality in terms of like the supernatural aspect but granted in reality in terms of the emotional depth of some of these characters now this kind of gets to why the fan response has been so so middling is it's not just that people don't know much about morbius because at the end of the day morbius is a spider-man villain and spider-man has the most popular rogues gallery um close to batman but no i would say spider-man's is more popular and honestly, fans are probably a little hesitant because of Sony's handling of Venom. You know, Venom is a very dark, creepy uh, character, very violent, um, very intense, like not a lot of humor there, but the humor that is there is like crass. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not buddy cop. You know what I mean? And that's what Sony chose to do with Venom. Granted you know, it's still a Marvel character. Marvel does that with kind of all their villains anyway. They kind of make them less scary. That's what made Thanos so uh, touted and in high regard is because he was actually like serious. Like you could take this villain seriously. Getting into taking villains seriously, I will also admit that I think Jared Leto is paying still to this day for his portrayal of the Joker in Suicide Squad. I think that's what's happening. I think people don't care about Morbius because it's Jared Leto and Sony who made the Venom movies. And it just doesn't feel like a MCU movie. I think Sony would be better just letting letting Marvel 
get their hands into their franchise and work with their writers, work with their directors, work with their producers and their actors to really come up with some kind of cohesion with these franchises. Because I feel like right now, today, there isn't a lot. There is a lot of friction in terms of where are we going? What are we doing? Oh, and on top of that, that's that's before we even get into all the implications of uh, the fact that he brought up Venom, the fact that they brought up Spider-Man, the fact that uh, Vulture is in the movie. Why is... Uh, what universe <laughs> is this movie even in? So then you have that whole thing. <sighs> I'm worried. I'm starting to get nervous. I'm starting to smell a crisis event on the horizon. I'm starting to see a big reboot on the horizon for the MCU. Not now. Maybe not even in five years. But once we get past that five-year mark from right now, I think you're going to start seeing they're going to start showing you signs of a hard reset because I don't see a lot of people connecting with some of the new characters that they've put out or introduced, uh, whether it be in the Disney plus shows or on the Sony side with Venom and Morbius or whatever the case may be. They have a lot hinging. Both companies do on this Spider-Man thing. And once Spider-Man is done, once he's out, whether it be because Sony doesn't want to work with them, uh, Marvel anymore, or whether it be because, you know, Tom Holland doesn't want to play Spider-Man anymore, whatever the case is, they don't have somebody else pulling the, the franchise along. They've had beef with Scarlett Joe, um, Chris uh, Hemsworth, I think, is the only guy who's still locked in other, other than um, Doctor Strange. So I'm 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 curious. I'm curious to see because this was the first movie trailer that excited me, but then I, I, I walked away with more questions about the future of all the movies in a bad way than in a curious, fun, what are they gonna do next kind of way. So definitely stay locked into that Sony Marvel conversation that we're probably gonna be having over the next couple of years. Now, no breaks this week. We're barreling right through because next, right now, we have the trigger warning topic of the week. This is where we dissect, deep dive, and discuss one story that deserves more attention. And this week, we have to do it, y'all. I'm sorry. We have to dive in head first. We got to talk about NFTs and metaverses because, God, if we don't talk about it now, if I don't warn you now, we might be stuck. Uh, with with companies like Ubisoft and Facebook haven't already taken over the world. So let's just talk about it and make sure that we're all on the same page so that we know how to move forward, both within the gaming industry, in the entertainment industry, but in, I mean, <laughs> society, dude. Like, I, NFTs and metaverses are not, uh, well, we'll discuss. Let's start first with defining an NFT. Now, this is just something I did because I've done enough quote-unquote research. I tried to just find a definition of an NFT. Now, everybody knows it's a non-fungible token. What does that mean? It's a digital artifact of real events based on the blockchain. So it's, you know, let's say it's a picture, a GIF, a meme, um, a clip, a highlight, Anything digital 
that you can essentially prove that you own something and you can prove it because the blockchain allows for or does not allow for tampering the same way that traditional um, money, quote unquote, does. You know what I mean? So it's often these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens are often sold for exorbitant amounts of money. And that's what you see in headlines all the time, right? The deal is, though, it's very much like a collector auction, but with like stock market mechanics. So it's it's sticky. Both the stock market and collector auctions are sticky. They're both um, businesses that are easy for people to manipulate and commit fraud within. And there are plenty of examples of that. So NFTs, that's why you keep hearing it's like scam, 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 scam. Oh, interesting idea. Scam, 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 scam. Um, if you spend any time on YouTube, I'm sure you know. If you spend any time on Twitter, I'm sure you know. If you're in the gaming space, I'm sure you have heard of this. So, and I'm sure I've done a bad example of explaining it because, quite frankly, I don't care enough about these things to put any value in it. I'm only judging its value based on how much noise it's making within the space. And at the point that enough people start buying into it, such as big businesses that we're going to start talking about, that's when it uh, has an impact potentially on my life and your life. So this week, according to the International Business Times, an NFT was announced uh, or incorporation of NFTs in games was announced by Ubisoft. Quote, French developer and publisher Ubisoft has shared its plans to be the key player in the industry when it comes to developing projects based on the play-to-earn concept. Remember that. The company did not only invest in Anamaka Brands, a blockchain gaming company, but also announced its plans to integrate blockchain technology into its video games releasing in the future. It is worth noting, however, that the company's plans remain vague at this time. That's not all. Later in the week, just earlier a couple of days ago, EA apparently came out and said they like the idea of the metaverse future, or at least that is something that they believe is going to be a part of the future. Now, this is from PC Gamer. Quote, EA CEO Andrew Wilson called NFT and play-to-earn games the future of our industry, but added it's still early to figure out how that's going to work. When, it, when asked about the comment during a company's earnings call this week. I think that in the context of games we create and the live services we offer, collectible digital content is going to play a meaningful part in our future, Wilson said. So it's still early to tell, but I think we're also in really good position, and we should expect us to kind of think more innovatively and creatively about that on a go-forward basis. So essentially, EA is saying, we're paying attention. We're locked in. Whatever happens next, we're there for. Very, very scary stuff. Um, especially considering the history of both of these companies with the microtransactions and the, the way that they try and bleed the, their customers dry for every bit that they got. The only thing that would make this worse is if Activision and uh, Take Two um, got involved. You know what I mean? That would be that would be it. That would be the gaming industry um, from a top-heavy kind of standpoint. A very uncomfortable conversation. I think P 
people are having right now in terms of how to incorporate these things. And my hope is that these people don't know enough about it and mess it up. And so that we don't go back to this well. But if one of these companies is successful, you can see NFTs being the next live service model in the gaming industry in terms of what everybody is trying to copy. Now, this also comes after last week when Facebook announced, you know, their name change and their turn and focus toward their pivot toward metaverse interaction and communication via the VR space, via their Oculus Quest. Now, that is what concerns me as well, is that the metaverse outside of gaming, I do not think is going to be necessarily successful, but the more that the insidious parts of gaming and the insidious parts of um, the financial and tech space, they are able to share ideas and cross-pollinate, you're going to see the evolution of live service business models, not only in your games with the NFTs coming about and the blockchain being integrated, but also the gamification of other aspects of your life, and we're already seeing it. That's beside the fact that they're trying to, they being different companies such as Roblox, are trying to incentivize gamers and creators to work to build their metaverse. You know what I mean? Like, they that play-to-earn idea is based in, how about we give you the tools and you build the game for us, and you can pay us for it? That's what's happening over at Roblox right now. And then, you know, I, I said it before, but live service mechanics could be coming to your workplace even. Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, making an avatar, earning points for doing tasks, gamification, subscriptions, and quote-unquote digital ownership, NFTs. You're going to see this propagate more and more if we don't really, really stop it here. I think gaming is an important place where we have to really hold the line. Otherwise... I mean, it's the world's biggest entertainment media, man. So if we make it look cool and we make it look good, then other businesses will follow. And that's not good. That's not something that we, we would want. You know, and it, and it really doesn't help that the worst companies in the space are the ones who are most enthusiastic about the metaverse and the NFTs. Like, come on, man. If I had to pick five companies I didn't want to be in a room together, it'd be like Ubisoft, Activision, EA... <laughs> Facebook, like, who's next? You know what I mean? Like, I think at the end of the day, we, if we're going to think about this critically and we're not just going to bash it, let's think about all the different costs of NFTs and metaverse like systems that we want to implement and be excited about. So, first, there is a societal cost, there's an increased detachment from one another. And you see it in a lot of places. We're not going to go down that road, but even just on the surface, how often do you play games with your friends locally? You know what I mean? When was the last time you played a couch co-op title or even went to a friend's house just to play the latest release with them? How important 
How much do we value being in the same room as one another as we used to? And, and I obviously the pandemic exacerbates that. But past that, are we just okay never interacting with each other in person anymore? That's a scary notion for me personally. Then there's the environmental cost. Now, this one's a little more obvious. Blockchain technology is just not sustainable right now. Currently today, as it stands, it's just not sustainable. The amount of energy it takes to create and track crypto, NFTs, and other systems running off the blockchain is creating more waste than we already do in the gaming space, in the tech space. We're actively fighting for the right to repair to reduce a lot of this waste. We're actively fighting... People are pushing us into a digital economy in order to stop wasting resources. So to tell me to loop back and say, oh, you can't have physical copies of your game because we're pooling those resources and burning more fossil fuels for the blockchain instead. Like, no, that doesn't bring me more value as a customer. And it just it destroys the planet. I'm not going to make it like an <laughs> environmental podcast here. But yeah, there's a huge environmental cost to these systems. And then lastly, this is a little more, you know, it's a little less tangible, but the artistic cost. How will we value art in the future? You know, when I look at an NFT marketplace for creators, it reminds me of like fine art auction houses. They're heavily political. And it's a pastime for people with too much money. Uh, look at the WADA grading scandal that we just went through. Why would it be any different with NFTs? I don't understand. Luckily, people don't put a lot of intrinsic value into NFTs themselves. But they're already getting the ball rolling on trying to get it more normalized. Where it sounds like a good idea. Like everybody knows the NFT guy. So now that's just a thing. All you need is one example of somebody making money doing that and 10 other people are willing to give away all their money. So until someone can explain to me how NFTs benefit creators, specifically around ownership, because that's how people build wealth <laughs> is, is owning their work, then I can't advise creators to get involved. Now, I will... I will admit in some ways, you know, like, cause I ask, how does this make it easier for somebody to support the artists they love? And in some ways it certainly doesn't. I think in gaming, it doesn't. I don't think it, it works in fashion. I don't know how it's going to work in like movies and collectibles in that space. But in music, it seems to have been in some ways helpful for some artists. So I want to see how those mechanisms translate over to other industries. Because if people can pay attention to how different creators are getting paid using the NFT system, and it's actually legit, it's sustainable, fine. I'm okay. I'm not anti-blockchain technology. I'm pretty anti-metaverse, but I'm not anti-blockchain technology. If you, like, let's figure out a way to make it sustainable. But as it stands right now, Hell no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the metaverse and the blockchain technology might be the future. But it has a long, long, long way to go before I'm confident that these systems won't mirror the exact same problems that we see in the systems that we already have. Uh, you can read past the headline on that one.
There's plenty of issues that I see being mirrored in technology. You just look at AI systems and how imperfect they are when it comes to giving people what they need and servicing them with serious stuff. So until we find something that's sustainable and we find something that's equitable, I don't have much faith in the metaverse or blockchain technology. Um, if somebody would like to sit down and explain it to me in a way that's coherent, then I'm happy and I'm open to listen. But I'm going to cut it there. You've heard what I think. Why don't you guys go ahead and tell me what you think? Go ahead and holler at me. Come join us and be a part of a growing community. Don't forget to support the show. Write in. Tell me what you think about this. What do you? What's your your take on the whole metaverse um, and, and the NFT thing that's going on in the gaming space this week? Uh, tell me what you think about Activision Blizzard uh, and their new um, company policies. And tell me, are you going to try out the Oculus if you don't have to sign up with your Facebook account. I'd love to hear from all of you. Also, just tell me what you're playing this month, man. I, I'll hop on with y'all. Like, I, I'm about to boot up Forza as soon as I sign out of here and go just try out the new the new stuff, you know? Um, pray for me. I, I hope I resist the urge to buy the new Call of Duty. But yeah, write in. Hit me on uh, socials at WACOPS on our Twitter and Instagram. That's at W-H-A-C-K. OPZ. Again, right into the show at our Gmail. That's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. Wackops at gmail.com. And uh, subscribe, share, download, and review, man. Please, please. It really does help the show. It really does get us where we're trying to go. And again, I got more stuff coming to y'all, coming down the pike. We're going to have some new ways of getting content to you very, very soon. If you show love, I need the sub. If you're trying to holler, I need the follow. If you enjoy the content, don't forget to comment. And if you're liking what we do, download, share, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you enjoy podcasts. Before we get up out of here, let's get into this weekly poll. Last week, I asked you, if you're going to only buy one game in November, which game would it be? And it turns out, with 55.9% of the vote, Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, Definitive Edition 1. Uh, coming in last place was actually Call of Duty Vanguard only receiving two votes. That is crazy. Crazy. I would never have thought that. But I guess when you have, I guess we know who's king. You know what I mean? I guess we know who's king. Now, if you're curious, second place was Pokemon. Again, unsurprising. And unfortunately, in third place was uh, Forza Horizon 5. But I think after seeing more gameplay footage, these numbers might have might have changed if I posted this week as opposed to last week. So very exciting stuff. It sounds like a lot of you guys are going to be out there picking up the new Grand Theft Auto trilogy. This week, we ask, only one Nintendo exclusive comes to PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Which one is it? Mario, Metroid, The Legend of Zelda, or Pokemon. We're very excited to hear what you guys think. I won't tell you what I think uh, <laughs> until we get the results back next week, but definitely go to our Twitter page and participate in our weekly poll. Um, again, that's at WACOPS uh, on Twitter. Now, I'm going to leave you, as I always do, with the shout-out of the week where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. We're going to start with a little bit of somber news here, and that is uh, the announcement that Vicarious Visions will be 
having a name change. Now, this is according to Polygon, quote, Activision Blizzard informed Vicarious Visions employees Wednesday that the studio would lose its name as a part of its ongoing merger with Blizzard Entertainment, sources told Polygon. Most of the Vicarious Visions employees who spoke to Polygon said they're most of the Vicarious Visions employees who spoke to Polygon said that there aren't they aren't necessarily surprised by the announcement, with one noting that the writing was on the wall. But at least one worker was disappointed by the lack of transparency and said an announcement during a light and quick meeting on what employees described as a costume day. Some employees were dressed in Halloween costumes during the call. So mad disrespect from Activision Blizzard on that one. Completely unrelated to the other story, I just think it's rough because Vicarious Visions is behind so many storied franchises. Um, for those of you that don't know, then maybe this is a little more of that, that you know, PS2, um, original Xbox generation, Xbox 360 generation of gamers. But this, uh, this definitely hurt. A couple of franchises that this studio is behind is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. That's 1, 2, 3, 4, Underground, all that. Crash Bandicoot. Jet Set Radio, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2, two of my favorite Marvel superhero games, though completely dated, and Guitar Hero, which, your opinion or not, still is a part of gaming history. I think Vicarious Visions is a company that I hopefully will be able to talk about in the future, but it is definitely sad to hear that they're just being enveloped by the big, the nasty, the crazy Activision Blizzard. But in better news, we have not one, but two unions being formed to talk about. First, we're going to talk about Image Comics. Quote, we, the workers of Image Comics, have formed a union. For years, comics publishing workers have watched our professional efforts support creators and delight readers. Our workforce and the comic book and publishing industry as a whole is overtaxed and undervalued. It is with this in mind, and with great hope for the future of Image Comics and the comic book industry itself, that we announce our intent to form a union and request voluntary recognition. I think this is absolutely incredible. Yes, this is a smaller, independent, well, Image Comics ain't small, but a uh, independent comic book uh, company, and they're able to... Uh, form a union. I'm I'm very happy for the workers of that group. I hope that, like I said, we can popularize some of these efforts because this is not the only industry that this is happening in. It's not just gaming. Uh, gaming. It's not just comics. It's not just entertainment. It's not just nerd stuff. No, it's everything. Um, and and I think the sooner we can get people to understand how collective bargaining can help them get their rights back and get a fair and decent wage and not have so much uh, inequality, that would definitely help us. Um, anyway, moving on, we have one more, and that is a better Ubisoft. Now, this is from NME.com. Quote, current and former Ubisoft workers who have formed a group called a better Ubisoft have called for swifter action from the game publisher following Activision's recent promise to meet some of its workers' demands. This is the ABU statement I'm going to read from here. Quote, Only yesterday, 
Activision Blizzard committed to increase their number of women and non-binary workers by 50% within five years. They have promised to invest $250 million to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent and to release annual salary transparency reports, meeting some of the ABK Workers Alliance demands. In just three months, it seems that they have listened to the concerns of employees and acted on them. While our demands are not identical, many overlap and could be addressed through similar actions just as swiftly. Absolutely. Let's start the next one. Let's get on Ubisoft and make sure that their toxic work work culture does not continue and opportunities for non-binary people and women, specifically people of color within those groups, are able to grow. I really, really, really hope that folks can see what's happening over at Ubisoft, see what's happening over at Activision, and speak up and stand up and do something about it. And I'm glad to see that it's not just gaming that is unionizing. I hope that other people can be inspired by what's going on. With that, we're going to leave you. I had a great time. We kept this one short. We ran straight through because I wanted to make sure I got everything in this week. I also want to remind you, we might be off next week. I'm going to miss you guys um, if we don't get an episode out. But no, we got surprises laying in wait that should be announced before the end of the month. So I hope that all of you are strapped in and ready for probably one of the best months since March 2020 that we are getting in gaming. So very excited for all of us. I can't wait. Let me know what you're playing. Reach out to me, all that good stuff. But until then, I am Whack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Hardcore Casual. Join us next Friday with your friendly neighborhood news aggregator, WACOPS. You can also follow us on social media at WACOPS, on Instagram and Twitter. Support the show by downloading, sharing, and reviewing. Available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and Stitcher. See you next week.